0: Well, hello again, Calvary. Great to see you. Good morning. All right, man. I'm glad to be back. I missed you all last week, and uh, but I hear it was kind of a big day. I don't know. It kind of I don't know. Might be a rumor, but I think that there was a big, exciting day, and I just want to congratulate you. And what future you all have is exciting. Pastor Stuart McCarter and I are friends, and so we've been communicating back and forth, and I know he is so excited. I'm glad I put my reservation in for today a long time ago, because he would have bumped me right out. I know it, but I told him I wanted one more time to preach, and I'm glad, and this is really, uh, for me, it's exciting. I was telling someone, it's bittersweet, because I have grown to love you all so much, and uh, I just appreciate you, and excited for you, and Kind of wish that I could just kind of hang on for the ride and see what God's going to do. But I will still be following you and praying for you and supporting you as you guys continue to move forward. I'm just so excited and I want to thank you all for your love. Thank you, Pastor Bobby and Pastor Mike and uh, please tell Pastor Todd thank you and for all of the guys back there who've, who've helped so much and for up there in the booth as well, and the choir, thank you so much for letting me sing with you. That was so much fun and exciting. I love that. Thank you. Amen. The anchor holds. And, and uh, I, I think that that could be uh, our testimony here at Calvary Baptist Church, right? That the anchor holds in spite of the storm. <laughs> that yes, the storms may come, but his anchor still holds. And I was, I was thinking about what the Lord wanted me to, to speak about today. Uh, of course, you know we've been in Acts for a long time. And I've enjoyed so much going through the book of Acts. But as I was praying through this and asking the Lord to lead me, I kind of kind of came to Philippians. We'll still, it'll still be Paul. We'll still be talking about Paul here. But it's Philippians chapter 3. So why don't you turn there and we'll get into that in just a minute. Philippians chapter Three, I'm actually going to start in verse 7 here in just a little bit. You know, it was funny, uh, right after I left the North American Mission Board and the team that I was part of was in charge of Annie Armstrong offering and we did videos and media all over the country, um, I came back to Virginia and uh, I was kind of thinking we needed to really promote cooperative programs. The cooperative program, and we've, I've talked to you about that. Maybe you may not understand. The cooperative program is what every Southern Baptist church does or should do, is whatever tithes and offerings come in from the people of the Southern Baptist church, they give a portion of that through their state convention, and it goes out to IMB missionaries and North American Mission Board missionaries. It goes to help seminary students with their scholarships. It goes for all kinds of things. I mean, disaster relief and hunger funds, and, and people are coming to Christ because of your faithfulness. And I just thought, man, if I could shoot a video. So I went back down to some people I knew back in Atlanta, and uh, this was a few years ago, and we shot this video. I wanted you to see this because right after, I'm going to tell you a story, kind of the backstory of this video. This is a cooperative program video that I just absolutely love.
1: Now, church, I want you to get this. I want you to hear me real clear on this. Because we must always remember, we must always recognize the interconnectedness, the interdependency of all humanity. We are dependent on one another. We are all members of one big family. And what affects one affects us all no matter where it happens. When we give, we are there. When an earthquake strikes, When the mighty floods come, when the hungry cry out, together we are there. What we need, dear church, is a renewed focus. What we need is a renewed energy. We need a renewed passion for sharing Jesus Christ around the world. People need new life. People need fresh hope. And my friends, when we give together, then people receive new life. People receive new hope. Hallelujah. Oh, my soul, when there is loss, when there is grief, when there appears to be no hope, together we are there. And I pray, dear church, that God would help us to measure up to the enormity of this great task. For we must, in our generation, we must, in our time, we must, in the here and in the now, be faithful, be steadfast, be true to the great commission for the evangelization of the entire world in our generation. Oh my, when we give, I said, When we give, together we are there. And so my friends, where there is peace, where there is joy, where there is love, there is Jesus Christ. And when we give, together we are there.
0: I love that video because you may say, "Amen, yes, you can. Amen. You may say, "I have not traveled the world. Yes, you have. through your faithfulness, through your giving, through Calvary Baptist Church's incredible lighthouse. we just were saying about my lighthouse. you're a lighthouse, not just to Stanton, yes, to Virginia, yes, as Bobby prayed, but throughout the world. And thank you so much for that. Now. Let me tell you the backstory of that. Went down there to shoot that video, and I love, like I said, I love that video. And I have to go through, uh, of course, in Atlanta, anybody been to the Atlanta airport? Yeah, Uh, I've done a lot of travel through the Atlanta airport, and uh, it can be crowded at times, it can be crowded at times. And so I went down there, it was a day trip. I was just making a day trip, leaving from Lynchburg, going to Atlanta, getting there early in the morning, and flying back that night. And uh, where we were was a little bit of ways, and man, I knew, I was looking at my watch, my flight is gonna uh, leave, and I've gotta leave in enough time to get through Atlanta traffic and get through security to make it to my gate on time. So uh, I'm I'm saying, guys, I gotta go. Well, we got one more shot. We got one more shot. And I'm like, oh, I can't leave. I gotta, one more shot. I should've left, but I didn't. So I'm I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and finally, we wrap it up. Okay, so I rush in my rental car, get back to Atlanta airport, drop the rental car off, and I'm, I'm like, uh, mission impossible now. Dun, 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 dun. I'm I'm, I'm like, okay, everything's got to work just in line for me to go. So I make it rental car, done. I run in, go through security, done. I'm going down the enormous three-story elevator from security, going down, and all of a sudden, everything, I'm like, man, this is going to be, I'm going to make my gate, and I forgot one thing. My phone, back in the little basket. They make you take everything out of everything. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I've got two choices. I can forget the phone and try to get it back later. Or if I make it back up there quickly, I can get it and come and still make my gate. So I'm single focused here. I've got to focus. Make my gate, get my phone. Or get my phone, make my gate. One of those two, okay. So I decide... And don't ask me. This is an embarrassing story. I'm just going to tell you. It's an embarrassing story, but we know each other pretty well now. So I think I can just be real with you, right? I decided that if I... There's, by the way, those elevators only go one way from the security, They only go down. If I run up the down escalator... <laughs> true story. If I run up the down escalator... I can get where they probably got my phone by, you know, lost and found security. I can get it, come down the down escalator, get to my gate, C gate, take the train, go down there. So with a prayer, I start running up the down escalator. Now, why security didn't tackle me or somebody, and people are not, no one's helping me. I'm excuse me, pardon me, excuse me. I'm running up the down escalator about halfway up. Again, this is like three stories up. So about halfway up, I'm thinking, is this worth it? And I take a breath. And and all of a sudden, I stop just for a second. And as I stop, what happens? I start going backwards. I start going backwards. And I'm like, I can't stop. I can't even think about this. I've just got to go all out, all out, single focused. So I get up there. By the way, I didn't tell you I have a backpack on. I didn't think about the verse that says, Paul says, whatever so easily besets us, throw off. So I'm, I've got this backpack, it's got my laptop in it. I care about my phone, I care about my laptop. So I'm running and running and running and I get up to the top, out of breath. But for some reason, it seemed like the escalator was faster up there. I, could, I couldn't get off the, <laughs> to, to steady ground. I'm trying and people, can you imagine what people are doing? They are looking at me like I am out of my mind and no one's helping me. So I realized, first off, I got to get this thing off. So I actually throw my backpack off and I try again and I cannot make it. Single focus, though, I'm going to do anything it takes to get my phone back. Don't ask me why. And I decide the only way I'm going to get this phone back and get back and get my gate is if I dive so I dive but of course as you know when you do that you're already starting to go back so I dove and I didn't quite make it and my knees did not make it and the escalator is hitting my knees like this and I'm I am just like my on the tile I'm just pulling myself up and people are stepping over me like in the world I don't care about them. I'm sweaty, I'm cold and hot. It's really weird, I've never finished. So I get up to the security place. By the way, at this time, both jeans are ripped. My jeans are ripped, both knees are ripped and blood is coming down. I'm sweating, I'm white as a sheet. I can't, I don't know how in the world I look. So I get up to the thing and I go, They go, sir, do you have a phone? Do you have a phone? A phone? Yes, do you have my phone? I love my phone. What's the number? So I barely get my number out. And they go, we have to dial it. I'm going, okay, dial it, dial it. So they dial it. My phone rings. They go, here you go. Okay. And so I decide, okay, I think I can make it. I am just out of breath, sweating, bleeding. I'm going down, going down the escalator. And I'm going, if I can make it. All of a sudden, I'm getting so sick to my stomach. I make it only as far as B. Remember, I have to go to C. I get off, and I go to the restroom and just put water on my face, and I miss my plane. I know. That's like, you thought it was going to be a happy ending. It's not a happy ending. <laughs> this is real life, okay? So I, make, I finally get back. I put water on my face. So now I'm dripping, wet, white, bleeding, ripped. Got my phone, and I go, and I get to Seagate. And they said, I'm sorry, mate, Mr. Flight. I said, I thought so. She goes, but we'll book you, sir. We will definitely book, rebook you. She felt so sorry for me. But I start to, I almost start to pass out. So now, guess what they have to do? They have to call EMT. <laughs> I'm laying on the plastic molded chairs. EMT comes, put this on, put this on, check this, sir. What happened? I said, I don't even want to tell you. Just check me out. I'm so embarrassed. I'm so embarrassed. So I had my phone, so I have to use my phone now to call my wife to tell her I'm going to be late because I missed my flight. And she asked me why, and I told her, and I thought she was going to hang up on me. She was so embarrassed. To this day, she's embarrassed. True story, though, but the reason I tell you that story was not because I want you to laugh at me, although I laugh at myself. The reason I tell you this story is because I was so focused There was nothing that was going to stop me. No down escalator, no ripped jeans, no blood, no uh, almost heart attack, no nothing was going to stop me. And so the sermon today, as you think about this, okay, where is your focus today? What are you focused on? What are you willing to go all out for? Nothing is going to stop you. Nothing is going to hold you back. I hope by the end of the sermon, it's not a phone like me. I hope it's nothing like that. But let's turn to Philippians chapter 3. And I tell you what, let's stand up as we read three through. Excuse me, chapter 3 verse 7 through 14. Paul says, but what things were gained to me of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, And reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, again, we come to you, giving this time to you. Lord, get me out of the way. Only your words need to come through. Your words, Lord, we ask and pray and strive for that we hear a word from you today. Lord, each of us is going through something different. Our stories. Although at Calvary are together, our personal stories are probably different. But Lord, speak to each one individually today as to what we need to lay aside, what we need to press forward to as you break every chain. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, you see, Paul in verse 1 through 11, he's kind of going through his spiritual biography. We didn't read 1 through 11 but Paul starts chapter 3 by giving this laundry list of why if anyone should have reason to boast, he should. He had the most reason. I mean, goodness gracious he was circumcised on the eighth day, the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law blameless. He's going, hey, if anyone has reason to boast about anything that is Of this world or of the law or of Jewish faith I'm number one in line but he says but what things were gained to me these I have counted loss for the cause of Christ for Christ Jesus he's everything and he says rubbish he almost like dung I manure these are just I don't even I don't even count them anymore I lay them aside that he might be found in Christ and might gain that Christ-likeness, that we might see Christ in him. And then he says in verse 10, I love this verse, one of the key verses of Scripture, that I may know him and the what? The power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Dr. Harold Wilmington, some of you have heard of him, he was one of my professors in school. And Dr. Harold Wilmington said when he was in Bible college, he had that I may know him and the power of his resurrection on his wall. And he loved that verse and claimed that verse. But he didn't have the whole verse on his wall. And one time, a co-student came in, one of his friends, and said, "Um, you got a problem here. What's the problem? I see part of the verse, but you have to have the whole verse. You see that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. We love that part. The same power that is in you, by the way, if you're a Christian, is the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. And we love to claim that. We don't really love to claim and the fellowship of his sufferings. But you see, you can't know the power of the resurrection until you know the fellowship of his sufferings. You can't know resurrection until you know death. Did you know that? You can't be raised to life when you haven't died If you're still living in yourself, you can't be raised to walk in newness of life because you're still in yourself. There's a song I love. It's, There's Not a Crown Without a Cross. There's not a crown. There is no crown without the cross. There is no resurrection without the cross. And so we have to know both. We have to understand the fellowship of sufferings is part of the Christian life. And then we know the power of the resurrection. So Paul In his spiritual biography, he talks about his past, his present, and his future. And we're going to kind of talk a little bit here when Paul's talking about his present. And he uses, in all of his epistles and books, he uses four illustrations usually. He uses the military. He says, put on the whole armor of God, right? He uses the military. He uses architecture. He says, you are the temple of God. So he'll use architecture, he uses agriculture. Whatsoever a man sows, well, he also... I mean, we, we know that. But in this book right here, he uses athletics. He uses, you know, as I was reading, most people believe this is a, a foot race, like a race. Some people actually believe it could be a chariot race. As we, but he says run the race. But, but it could be either. You see, in a chariot race and in running, especially if you're sprinting, You have to lean forward and strain every muscle to get to the goal, to get to the finish line, to get that prize. Now, Mike, I know, is a long distance runner. And I've said before, you know, after 200 yards, just give me a Gatorade and call it a day. Because I was a sprinter, I did the 100, I did the 200. I only did the 400 because I had other people running with me, and I did 800 because I had. So I did those four races. And at one time, back in the days of yore, I was pretty fast. I actually won the state championship for Virginia for sprinting. And um, that's because when you're redhead, you're running from people all the time. People are <laughs> always, so you learn, you learn to run. But I also knew at the end, at the finish line, what do they do? They strain, They're every single muscle is going across that finish line. Why? I want the best, I want to win. And that's what Paul is saying here. So let's start with verse 12. And we're going gonna to go through a few different things. First thing is his dissatisfaction. His dissatisfaction. He says, not that I have already attained and am already perfected. He says, I haven't gotten there yet. He never permitted himself to be satisfied with his spiritual attainments. I think sometimes in the church, we get satisfied. We've made it. For example, not that this pertains to you, but some churches, when they would call a new pastor, they would say, we did it. We got it. That's just the beginning. No, the race is just, maybe you took a little pause or something, but no, the race is still going. When Pastor Stuart McCarty gets here, imagine what the future is. Everybody together pulling the same way, striving the same way. Paul said, I, I'm not there yet. He didn't compare himself to others either. No, he compared himself to himself and Jesus Christ. Not as though I've already, already attained or am already perfected. You see, we have to be careful of wrong thinking. So he didn't attain yet. He compared himself with Jesus. And he had to be careful of wrong thinking. What does that mean? Don't think yourself better than you are, but don't think yourself worse than you are either. We fall into two camps sometimes, don't we? Sometimes we're thinking we're better than we are. But sometimes, and it's funny, sometimes the older we get, (laughs) because we we know we've we've been battered, we've been scarred, like that song says, The Anchor Holds. No. Don't think yourself worse than you are either. You're a child of God. You are a saint. And you are in the process, Lord willing, of being sanctified, but you are justified if you're a Christian. What does that mean? Just as if I had never sinned. That's how God sees me. And I am joint heirs together with, with him, with Jesus. Can you? That's the standing you have. So don't think yourself better like you're something, but don't think yourself worth. Be careful of wrong thinking. You see, Paul, he had to keep pressing forward. Why? I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. You see, let's kind of break this up here. We have two words. Press on all your might, straining every muscle. In fact, in some translations, the pressing on is also with the connotation that there is going to be some pain involved. In our Western world, we don't mind straining and pressing as long as there is gold or silver or the job or the raise or for young guys, the girl. Oh, hey, whatever it takes, <laughs> you know, the prize, but we don't like things that cause pain or discomfort. You know, we have these first world problems that we talk about, right? We have these first world problems. The heater's not working quite right. The air's not working quite right. My filtered water, my, I gotta get a new filter for my filtered water. We have all these things, you know? Pressing on all your might straining every muscle despite the pain, despite the discomfort why? because I have one goal in mind to be like Christ and to make his name known among the nations that's Paul's one goal we're going to talk about this one thing in just a second but to press on and then he said that I may lay hold of to make one's own possession that I may lay hold of what are you striving for that you can lay hold of is it in the spiritual kingdom world or is it the physical world here? I think sometimes we need to take inventory of ourselves. I do. I do. I have to constantly say, what am I laying hold of? What am I trying to grab? I, I have to go back to this. Why? He said, I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has already laid hold of. It. Jesus has it for you, but he wants you to strive for that. So we have dissatisfaction is one of those things that Paul's talking about. He's also talking about devotion. Why? Because he says, in verse 13, brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended. He already said that. But what's the next two words? One thing. One thing I do. He was single focused. I have so many things distracting me. My devotion is not always to the one thing that God wants for me. In Mark 10, 21, Jesus says to the rich young ruler, one thing thou lackest, one thing. In Luke 10, to Martha, he says, one thing is needful, one thing. In John 9, 25, the man who received his sight said, one thing I know, one thing. And even the psalmist said in Psalm 27, four, he said, one thing I've desired of the Lord that I will seek after one thing, one thing. What is your one thing? What is your one thing? What are you concentrated on? What is most of your time? If I look, they say, if I can look at two things, if I can look at your calendar and your checkbook, I'll find out what your one thing is. What's your one thing? In my life, there's been some different times where I've had one things where it's been about material things. It's been about career. Man, when I was in TV, my one thing was getting to a top 20, top 30 market. And I couldn't understand why. I was pressing hard. I was trying to lay hold of that. I wanted that six-figure plus salary. I wanted all that. But God had to... Keep me from that because my one thing was the wrong one thing. You see, winners concentrate and keep their eyes on the goal. One thing I learned when I was sprinting is if I was going to sprint, especially a short sprint, and by the way, this life is a short life compared to eternity. If I could keep my eyes on the goal and not look around me, I could actually gain speed. I would gain tenths of a second. But if I looked around... At around me, I wasn't going to win. Don't look around you. Don't look at what that person's doing or what that person... What has God got for you to do? Calvary, this is a good time to ask that question. What has God got for you to do now? Whatever that is, concentrate. Keep your eyes on the goal. You see, in I was just talking about television. One thing they taught us very early when you're shooting video, especially in a studio or something like that, but any video is that when you have your TV camera, you focus on the farthest point away. So for me, it would be that clock that I can't understand how Pastor Stewart never saw that clock. (laughs) It's right there or right there. How did he not see that? Anyway, did he see it last week? Okay, good. If not, I was going to call him. Okay, (laughs) catch your focus on that. Then what happens is when you pull that lens back, like this, every, 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 everything is in focus from their back. Now that's a life lesson. Why? Because when I catch my focus on what God has for me, on eternity, on kingdom things, then all these things shall be added unto you. I see my family in a more clear focus. I see my job. I see all these other things Very clearly. But when I focus on my job, all of a sudden all these other things get out of focus. When I focus on my family, on my kids, if I make my kids my world, if they're the number one thing, then all these other things get out of focus. No. Focus on that which lies ahead, what God has for you, the kingdom, and then all these things come into focus. Catch your focus. So that devotion, that one thing. So we've talked about dissatisfaction. I'm not satisfied. No, Lord, what do you have for me? Devotion. And then there is direction. Direction. What do we say here? Paul says, he says this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. You see, the believer should be reaching ahead. They should be future-oriented. Now, I was reading this week, and I, and I was really interesting. They said, don't think of life as a Christian of the past flowing into the present and the present flowing into the future. That's how I've always thought of it. No, think of the future flowing in to the present, informing the present, giving your life direction. What do you mean? Well, when I am going on a trip, I'm not thinking about where I was I'm thinking about where I have to go. I punch in the GPS, my destination, and then the GPS takes me so my future informs my trip. And when I started thinking, I was like, that is so cool. If I am future-focused, future-oriented, kingdom-focused, all of a sudden now, I know how to move. I know where I'm supposed to go. Lord, you show me based on that where I'm going, not based on my past. Now, Let me explain something to you. Forgetting the past doesn't mean that he actually forgot the past. We remember the scars. We remember the decisions. We remember the things, good and bad, right? We just do. We're human. What it means is we're no longer influenced or affected by it. In fact, breaking the power of the past by living for the future. That's how we need to live. He breaks the power of sin and darkness. I was I was looking at this this song that I love so much that I pulled up the words. Who breaks the power? Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger, the King of Glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. You know that song that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. You laid down your life that I would be set free. Oh Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. I'm not tied to the past. I love that song, Pastor Mike, break break every chain. You see, the weights that used to hold you back now become the inspiration to speed you ahead. What do I mean by that? You ever see runners that when they train, they have weights on them? The weights that used to hold you back now motivate you for the next thing. In baseball, we used to, when we used to practice, we used to have weights on our bats. We would get in the batter circle and we had those weights. Weights, oh man, weights can hold you down. But why did I like those weights? Because they were gonna help me when I got into the batter's box. Man, I was gonna be, my swing was gonna be faster. I was gonna be more precise. Don't let those weights hold you back. So much, so much of us, are, we're living because of what happened in the past. Man, when I talk to people and they say, I say, why don't you come to church? Well, because of somebody something did to me or I didn't get to do what I wanted to do or somebody looked at me wrong or I, no one said anything bad, but I know what they were thinking. Please, come on. Don't let the weights hold you back. Let them, let them, let them motivate you. You see, don't let failure or success distract you from the one thing, one thing. Paul, if Paul could not say, it's not as I've already attained, but with this one thing I do, I look forward, I forget the past, and I'm striving with every single muscle for what lies ahead. So, we have dissatisfaction, right? We have devotion, we have direction, and finally, we have determination. Verse 14, here we use the word again, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The same verb here, press, is the same one that was translated, I follow after in Philippians 3.12. It's that intense endeavor. And it's the same zeal that Paul had when he was persecuting the church, by the way, concerning zeal, verse six. He uses that same, I'm, I am so zealous that whatever I love, I'm going to have that same disdain for that stuff that doesn't get there. Now, when we, in our day and time, you may have, if you love life, if you love life and the life that God gives us, both the, this new life as well as the life that he gives us just by his creation, you will so disdain anything that takes that life away. So when there are people, we love them, but we cannot stand the message when they're saying, it's all right to take life. The same zeal that should guide you and guard you and push you and motivate you should also motivate you to tell the truth in love to those people. The same determination. You see, also there are two, there are two extremes to avoid when we're talking about Determination. There are two extremes, and sometimes we fall into either of these camps. There are 2 I'm going to go backwards. There are two extremes to avoid. One is, I must do it all. I, can, I, I have to do it all. Why? Because if it's going to get right, if it's going to be done right, we say, I'm going to do it. No, no, no. The other thing is, don't get into the camp that says, God can do it all. He doesn't need me. Why did he... Die for you? Why did he raise again for you? Why is he living today for you? Why is his Holy Spirit in you? Why? Because he. it's a privilege to work with him. You are the vehicle, Calvary Baptist Church, to spreading the gospel that God chose in Stanton, Virginia. So don't say I can do it all, and don't say God can do it all, and don't say Pastor Mike can do it all. Don't say Pastor Bobby can do it all. Why? They can't. We work together One goal, one mind, one body, one Lord. So, then, he says at the end of verse 14, for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And he said, when you reach the goal, you get the prize. There's a prize that's waiting. Yes, there's a crown, but you know what? The crown, I think when we get to heaven, that crown is just going to be like, the cherry on top. In fact, the Bible says we're going to cast our crowns at his feet. It's, the, the thing is, we're going to be with Jesus forever and ever and ever. Our one goal is to be like Christ, and now we're going to be with him. That's the goal. And to bring as many with us. To bring as many with us. I tell you, God's really been convicting me about that. that. Remember when Pastor Stewart, a couple weeks ago, talked about in every situation... Well, it was just funny that right after that sermon, I was with the SBCV team, and we had to go to a, uh, a memorial service for someone's mom on our team, Pastor, uh, Mike, Mark Custolo. And afterwards, we went to a restaurant. And we were talking and ordering, and all of a sudden, the, I, I just felt, I kind of heard Pastor Stewart's words in my mind, and I said, I said to the lady, hey, is there any, the, the waitress, is there anything we can do to pray for you, anything you, that we can pray for you about? And she goes, you know, ever since you all came in here, I felt such peace. Really? Wow. Yeah. She goes, let me tell you what's happening. I was just diagnosed with cancer. And I don't go to church. I don't know what you all are talking about. But I could sure use some prayer. So we prayed with her. Then one of the guys got with her and said, where do you live? She goes, I live right near here. Okay, it was Mechanicsville. So then the very next day, a local pastor came with her, prayed with her. She's now going to that church. Pray for her. Pray for her. Okay, so then I was in North Carolina. At the beginning of this week, I'm driving back from North Carolina. I get onto the Chesapeake Expressway, and you have to go through a toll booth. Nobody behind me, which was amazing. And I get there, and I hand her the money, and all of a sudden I listen To the radio that she's she's got the radio on. It's Christian music. And I said, hey, I love the songs that you're playing. That sounds so good. She goes, it's so hard to live. I'm listening to these things and what they're saying, and I don't know if I can live like this. So you know, for five minutes at a toll booth, I witnessed her. (laughs) It was so cool. I loved it. It was like, I kept looking in my rearview mirror like, nobody's behind me. God just kind of stopped them or something. It was amazing. And so I, her name's Pamela. So I've been praying for Pamela. She says she's a Christian, but she can't go to church because she works every Sunday at the toll booth. But she heard about a church that has a service on a different time. So she's going to try that. But just, it's so funny that when you get that one thing, all of a sudden, I'm paying a toll, I'm witnessing. I'm ordering meat ravioli. I'm witnessing. I... I, I'm just, i just, I don't know why. I, God has just given me so much more motivation that in every aspect of my life, what's the one thing? Today, when I wake up, what's the one thing? What's your one thing? What is your focus? Calvary Baptist Church, I think when you figure out and you know if it's church planting or if it's evangelism or if it's both, then everything from that forward goal informs everything you do. So when Pastor Stewart comes here and your leadership team and you guys are voting, hey, is this what we're doing now? Is this getting us to that one goal? Because he does say sometimes we have to lay aside those things which so easily besets us. Why? So we can reach, strain, push towards the goal. But it starts in your own seat. It starts in your own heart. No matter what age you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what your past is, what is your one thing? What's your goal? What are you striving for?